Last week we talked about get, uh, worship fully. This week's message is spend less. Uh, and if you've ever done Advent Conspiracy, we do the same four topics all every year, all throughout Advent. If you've never done Advent Conspiracy, then this is all new to you. Uh, if you want, you, if you've got your paper Bible, you can head to Matthew 6 right away. Uh, I got, as always, a little bit of preamble. Um, last week, if you missed it, I said I'm flipping the way we do Advent Conspiracy on its head. In the past, what it has been is a pile of water bottles on stage, and we watch as the pile of water bottles shrinks down, and we pay to dig a well. And this year, I said, we're going to do it differently. I'm going to encourage you to find something to get involved with. Instead of me telling you we're going to dig a well somewhere, I want you to do the research. I want you to find something that you are passionate about, a cause that you could get behind. And in the heart of the Advent conspiracy and making a difference in someone's life, you support that cause. And as you find those things that you want to get behind, let us know what they are. Because we would love to celebrate right along with you as you make the choice that instead of we're going to load up our stuff, we're going to load up on making an impact on somebody's life. And that, that impact could be just for a little while, but it could ultimately lead to an eternal life change for them. And that is a way better use of everything that we are than the stuff that Christmas can so often become about. So we said we would, throughout the Advent Conspiracy, we would present some ideas that we think would be great for you to um, support. But if you have your own ideas, all the better. So the first one I want to let you know about is Erdo, if you've never heard of it. Erdo is the PAOC's humanitarian agency. So we, this is the group from us that goes into emergency places. Uh, so they're in BC right now. They go all over the world. They make a huge impact. They go to places that need help, and they provide the help that only we can provide. And so if you've never heard of it, you can go to erdo.ca, see all the projects they've got going. This is a great cause. We as a church regularly give to Erdo to help with so many people that we can't help ourselves. And so um, great cause for you as individuals to get behind. The other one, a little more local, uh, ChooseLifeMinistry.ca. Uh, as you know, maybe you don't know, Second Chance Store, all of the proceeds go to supporting Choose Life. Um, go to ChooseLifeMinistry.ca, find out what they're all about. Again, another great cause for you to get behind. There is going to be an opportunity in February. The person that I need to like, confirm that is gone. Um, so but if you want to get behind them, there is an opportunity coming in the new year to help raise some funds and keep this ministry going. But you, you don't need to wait for that. You can do whatever you got to do by yourself. Get behind them. Uh, good local ministry. But all that said, as we get ready to think about spend less, I want you to think about this question. Have you ever bought someone the wrong gift at Christmas? Have you ever? Everyone's laughing, so that's a yes. We, yeah, we've all been there. Um, I, and I think we have, right? I, I think, and we could ask this question a whole bunch of different ways. You look back and you, you kind of laugh. I actually, for small group, I, wanna, I want you to share these stories, and I want you to like laugh and cry and do all the things you need to do at small group as you share about this, you know, whether it's embarrassing or funny time that you bought the wrong thing. Maybe it was on purpose. Maybe it was accidental. But 
you know, because I know some of you, some of you like to be funny and buy the wrong thing just to get a rise. Um, I, I will tell this story. I always have a story as my questions. Um, I remember, this is actually a birthday present, but that's okay, same idea, wrong gift. I was talking to my grandfather one birthday, just before the birthday. Uh, my grandparents lived in the same yard we did, and I was talking to Grandpa, I said, Grandpa, what'd you get me for my birthday? He said, a half-eaten potato. No, you didn't. Yeah, right. Like, whatever. And he's like, no, I, that's what I got you. I don't believe you. I'll, you know, I'll find out when he gets over there. Um, later that night, we had everyone over for cake, had supper, time to open gifts, and Grandpa, like, insists that I open his first. Oh, okay. <coughs> Half-eaten raw potato. That's not funny, Grandpa. That's all I got. That, that was it. He was, he was dead serious. That was... I was not happy. That was heartbreaking that Grandpa would do that to me. He had a great laugh over it, though. Like, that's what I mean. I know there's some of you out there that, anyways. Um, but maybe it's not asking the wrong gift. Maybe some of us have given the wrong gift so many times that we don't even try to give a gift. You have those people on our list that's like, you know what? I'm just going to give you money because you never like what I get you. So you go get your own thing. Or we are the people who just make sure we attach the gift receipt because we know that it doesn't matter what we ask. They asked for something a month ago or a week ago and they changed their minds and they're going to take it back anyways, right? Like it's a 50-50 roll the dice. Am I going to get it right? Am I going to get it wrong? And that essentially is the problem with Christmas. That essentially is why we need the Advent conspiracy, because if we are so consumed, because if we get so caught up in buying the quote-unquote right gift, or the quote-unquote perfect gift, we spend so much time, so much energy, so much money trying to find the right gift that we get stressed out, we get wore out, things get a little tighter than they're supposed to be, and that comes all the way back to last week, where it's like, if Christmas is stressing you out, if you are spending all your time trying to find the right thing, then we are doing Christmas wrong. Because Christmas should actually be all about worshiping God. Do it all to the honor and to the praise of the Heavenly Father who is the giver of good gifts and who even in that quiet time over the hot cup of Joe, you still honor God in that moment. And I was thinking about this passage, I was like, so what would it look like if instead of fully worshiping and serving God, we fully worshiped and served money? Because that's what Jesus was saying. He's comparing the two. You can't do both. You're going to either pick one or the other. So what does that look like? Because in the past, I've talked about how if you want to know there's an idol creeping in and stealing your attention away from Jesus, the easiest way to find out is to look at where your time, where your energy, and where your money is going. And wherever those three things are going, wherever the most of those things are going, it's a good chance that those things are actually eating up your attention and your devotion to God for something else. And this is a challenge for those of us who work too much, fill in the blank. We don't see our work as an act of worship, but we see it as a means of, oh, making money. 
So what happens when we make money the God and we serve money instead of God? Well, there's all kinds of ramifications, but the big one that is so apparent, especially during Christmas season, is this consumer mindset. I just need more stuff. And it can't be just any stuff. It has to be the right stuff. When we serve money, it's not a in one case, it's all about just getting more money. So you spend all your time, you spend all your energy just accumulating more and more money. And it's really interesting when you look at the people who are spending time for fraud and spending time for tax evasion, spending time for embezzling. Most of the time, the people who are getting arrested for that stuff are the people who don't actually need more money. But they have got so caught up in making money and having more and more that they start cutting corners, they start breaking laws, because it's just something within them. It's like, I just need more. I can never have enough. So that's the first reason money is not a good master, because it demands that you never have enough. You always have to make more but sometimes it's not about having money because it's not like you're walking around with your bank statement like, look at how much I got. Like, you don't, nobody does that. They don't have a big billboard on their chest saying, like, I'm worth. So what do they do? They buy things that say they have money. They buy fancy vehicles or their house gets bigger or their yard gets bigger or their clothes are really fancy or they get these status symbols that allow people to know that they are people of money. Oh, wait, you don't actually need money to buy that stuff. Isn't it so nice for the banks to come up with ways of credit and lines of credit and loans and loans? Like, isn't that so nice? You don't even need money to have these status things. You can just buy them and pay it back later at a horribly inflated interest rate. As long as you got a visa with some room on it, you just keep swiping that visa, you get you have whatever you want. As long as the bank keeps up in that credit line, and then it, you can just have whatever. Consume, consume, consume. And it's made even worse by the invention of this little thing called Amazon. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. I'm not talking about the jungle. I'm talking about the website. They'll bring it right to your door. You don't even have to go look for it. You can stay at home. Just keep you just let them know what that number is, and here it comes. You can buy your groceries off of Amazon. It's amazing. We bought, we just recently bought a whole bunch of baby food. And cheaper than we could if we went to Walmart. Saved me on gas, and it was cheaper. It's great. Consume, consume. And this whole consumer mentality is only amplified by the number of streaming services that you now have access to. Because now you don't even have to wait a whole week to watch your show. You can just get Netflix and watch it all at once. Oh, wait, Netflix doesn't have, we better get Disney just in case. Oh, Disney doesn't have, oh, we better get, better get, better get, better. Consume, consume, more, more. I need more. My second question this morning is, where is it tempting to be a consumer and overindulge? Where has this consumer mentality snuck in and is now influencing more than it is supposed to be? Because here's the problem when this consumer mentality takes root too much. It starts to affect the way we worship. 
we go back to what I, something I said last week. I said, what is your worship merely what you do for an hour on Sunday morning? Because if it is, and it's just something that you consume once a week, then all worship is for you is to sit back and take it in. Take in the message. It's like a Dora show. You just ask you to sing along every once in a while. But you just sit back and you just take it in, take it in. And then the question is, when you come and you, I ask you, how are you doing? Well, I'm watching like four Sunday services every Sunday. Okay, well, how, how are you doing spiritually? Well, I've, I'm on like eight different Bible plans, and I'm just powering through the Bible right now. It's great. Okay, consuming. Consume, consume. Now all of a sudden worship is just something that we consume. We just watch more preachers. We just listen to more worship music. We just read more Bible. We just read more Christian authors. Consume. Cons- what happens throughout your day if you take too much, f- if you consume too much food? You get tired. You get lazy. You lose all motivation to actually use the energy and the gifts that God has given you. So what happens if we start consuming too much of the Bible and too much teaching? What happens when we're taking in too much? The same thing happens. How do I know? Look at the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the most educated people in Jesus' day. And what was Jesus' biggest criticism of them? That they weren't doing it. They were teaching it. They had these great and lofty teachings. And Jesus says in Matthew 23, Lift it, listen to their teaching, because their teaching is good, but don't follow their example because they don't live it. They know it all, but they're not putting it into action. And then two chapters later, Jesus says that we're going to stand before him, we're going to be separated like sheep and goats. And what's the one thing that separates the sheep and the goats? How many times do you watch Stephen Furtick? How many times you read through the Bible? No. When I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was in jail, you visited me. When I was sick, you took care of me. It's not about how much we can consume. It's about how much of it we are able to put into action. How are you living your faith? How are you making worship an aspect every single day right down to the eating and the drinking. And one of the things that the Bible teaches us a lot is not only that all good things come from God, but that we are to be content in all things that God has blessed us with. It's really hard to have a consumer mindset and to be content. Because consumerism says more, more, more. Content says, I'm good. I got what I need. I don't need. And Paul was a big advocate of being content. He said, it doesn't matter if I am hungry or I'm full. It doesn't matter if I'm poor or I've got a lot. I have learned to be content in all situations. Worship and contentment is the line in the mindset of every follower of Jesus. And it comes back to the verse where we started. Where is your treasure? Where, where are you storing up the good things? Are you buying more and more stuff over Christmas 
that eventually is going to end up in a garage sale. That's not good things to be investing in. It's not good things to be putting here. Why not put it in something that's going to last for eternity? Why not make Christmas, spend our time and our energy and our finances putting Christ right back where it is? Because the rest of the year is so chaotic, so why don't we just pause and make this season about worship? Why don't we pause and make this season about Jesus? And when we get in that heart of in make, storing up things that are going to last forever, all of a sudden we find ourselves less tempted to buy more stuff and we're just more intentional about the things that we actually do buy. One of the things that I've been telling people about the Advent conspiracy, I got two stories. Um, when, after, when I left and I took another position at another church, um, I, the Advent conspiracy, these two teachings, the one today and the one next Sunday, spend less but give more, stuck with me. Because when, after I left, Michelle and I got married shortly after, and all of a sudden I had two nephews I didn't have before. And I was like, okay, so how do I spend less, but how do I give better gifts to these guys? And so right out of the gate, I said, I'm buying them Nerf guns. <laughs> and that might sound like something that's really expensive. I didn't buy them good ones. <laughs> I, I was a youth pastor. I can't afford that. But I give them, why, but why Nerf guns? Because you know what? I, I bought myself one. What do we do? That first Christmas, we ran all over my sister-in-law's house and wrecked everything and played Nerf all, all day. It was great. Because <laughs> what are my nephews going to remember? They're not going to remember the guns. They were cheap. They sucked, to be honest. They, what they did. It wasn't about the Nerf guns. It was about banging Uncle Matt in the forehead with a Nerf dart. Then all of a sudden, little turkeys started getting bigger ones. It's less fun now. <laughs> they actually hurt. It wasn't about the gun. It was about the opportunity to do something crazy and have fun and have a memory that is going to last with them forever. And It didn't cost a lot, but it cost a lot of my time. It cost a lot of my energy that day. I was begged. I was not wanting to do anything else that day, but it was great. I was thinking, as I was preparing, I was thinking of another little story. I won't say who, but... Uh, so the last three times that I've gotten together with my parents, my mom has made cookies with my little girls. And three times in a row now, one of them has sneezed in the cookie batter. Mmm, <laughs> these taste different. Yeah, probably. But it's not about the cookies. See, if it was about the cookies, now we're frustrated because we put all this energy, we put all this time, and we spent all this money on the materials, and now the cookies are ruined, and what am I going to do? It's not about the cookies. It's not about efficiency. Put a six-year-old and a three-year-old making cookies. You're not getting it done quickly. It's not about efficiency. It's not about the time. It's not about the... It's all about the memory, because we can sit back and we can laugh and try not to eat the cookies, you know, like, I'm not bringing them to church, don't worry. <laughs> it's all about the memories, because we can sit back and we can laugh and be like, remember that time? How many times in a row is this going to happen? And which kid's going to do it? And when, my, when the youngest is, gets to that age, is he going to join in? Or how many times are you going to wear the cookies? Or how many times? It's not about the money. It's not about the time. It's not about the energy. 
And this is the challenge of the Advent conspiracy is so often Christmas gets reduced to getting up Sunday, getting up Christmas morning, ripping open the gifts, playing with them for half an hour, and then just adding them to the pile. And we get on with our days. Or we get on to the super stressful Christmas meal that, you know, three of the ladies in the family have been stressing over for the last eight hours and gets consumed in half an hour. And now they're really mad because we didn't enjoy it enough. Spend less. Be more intentional with the way that we spend our money. Not just doing it for the sake of getting the right gift, the perfect gift, but how is this going to bless the person that I am giving it to? Are they going to be able to use it past the first half hour of Christmas? Is it something that we can do together? I was talking to someone the other day, and they said, we've, just, we've stopped Christmas gifts. We just go away we're just going to rent a cabin for Christmas and play board games the whole time. That's a great idea. I don't know if it's spending less, but it's a great idea. Because <laughs> it's going to be the thing that they, the kids and the grandkids are going to remember. The whole point of spend less is to find ways to combat consumerism, to teach, to remind ourselves that God is the giver of all good gifts, to teach our kids to be content in all situations. They don't need more toys. They don't need more stuff. They just need family. They just need Jesus. Yeah, I see moms looking at kids being like, you listening to him? Um, how can we teach our kids to be content? How can we teach ourselves to be content? How can we remind ourselves that God is good, that we already got the best gift we could ever get in the form of Jesus Christ. How can we be more worshipful? How can we spend less and put ourselves in a position for next week's message about giving more? Where do you need to spend less? So often we get hung up on just the money aspect. Where do you need to spend less money? Where do you need to spend less energy? Where do you need to spend less time? And maybe it's not one of those three. Maybe you just need to spend less of something so that we can get Christmas back to what Christmas is really all about. And I'll close with the Philippians verse that I talked about. Philippians 4.11, Paul says this, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Be content. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this Advent season, as we get back to the Advent conspiracy, I pray, God, that this idea of spending less just resonates with our hearts and guides our guides these next couple of weeks as we prepare for Christmas that we would be more intentional about the gifts that we buy and not just buying a gift for the sake of buying a gift we would be more intentional about why we're buying or what we're buying that we'd be more intentional about storing up treasure in heaven where we can enjoy it for all eternity instead of storing up here on earth where nothing lasts. Father, reveal to us the areas where we get 
caught up being a consumer. Teach us, God, this idea of being content with what we have, with the good things that you have poured out on us so that we can be more focused on you this Christmas season. Teach us to be content. Teach us to be better followers of you this season. Be with us as we go. I pray this in your mighty name, Lord Jesus. Amen.